I'm Tom Field. I'm Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. Topic of discussion today is digital identity. My pleasure to welcome to the virtual studio, Gordon Harrison, his Area Vice President of Digital Identity with Jumio. Gordon, thanks so much for taking time to speak with me. Thanks for having me, Tom. So digital identity, it's a term we use an awful lot these days. How about if we start with your understanding of how to interpret the term? You know what, that's a really good place to start because every time I go onto the internet or I go to an identity event, I see the words digital identity everywhere. And I think it can become a little bit confusing as to what digital identity means in the, the broader concept. So you may see digital identity being referred to in the same way as identity proofing. So running a kind of a physical or digital um, identity proofing procedure. Um, you may see it in the concept of running an, a, a kind of a KYC and an AML procedure, but what the market is now referring digital identity to is a reusable form of your identity. So being able to um, establish that you are who you say you are once, and that is stored within a what's called a verifiable credential within a within a wallet. And you have the ability to, instead of taking physical pictures to prove who you are when you onboard with merchants, you simply share your digital identity. So you verify who you are once and you're able to repeat or reuse that form of identity over and over again. Um, so when we talk about digital identity, certainly at Jumio and in the conversations that we have, we often just re-clarify it to say, it's a reusable digital identity, just to give greater clarity on, on what it is that we're talking about and how it's interpreted in the market today. So, Gordon, you use the term reusable. What's the key problem that reusable digital identities set out to solve? Yeah, yeah, it's a, a question we're asked all the time. Uh, um, I think when we look at problems with digital, with uh, within the market that digital identities are looking to solve, there are big, broad topics like privacy of your, your PII data, so your personal identifiable information. Um, so at the moment, we give away too much of our data when we're onboarding. We may just need to prove that we are over 18, not that you need to know where I live and my middle name and everything else about me. Um, so data privacy is a massive thing that reusable digital identities are out to, to solve. Um, then we kind of look at it from two different angles. We look at it from the user perspective, and we look at it from the merchant perspective, or what is often termed relying party. At the moment, KYC and AML procedures to, to verify new users are still taking images of physical documents. There's still a barrier to entry and inefficiency when it comes to signing up to new services. Digital identities want to create a, a greater efficiency around that. So we want to totally eradicate the need to re-verify using a physical document and put that all onto a, a digital wallet or a verifiable credential. So that's helping the users to more easily onboard to new merchants. And then the other side is fraud. Um, still, uh, there are big issues with identity fraud and the biggest issues with identity fraud are from uh, physical documents. When you take out physical documents and you don't have the areas around 
um, blurry photos of documents or uh, documents that have been damaged in their lifetime, you take away the issues that uh, KYC and AML providers face around trying to detect fraud. So we look at it in kind of three broad brackets, privacy of data, reduction of fraud, and an improving of the user experience when onboarding to, to new merchants. Gordon, I wonder if you might explain the difference between decentralized and federated identity solutions and where blockchain fits in. Yeah, the, 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 the blockchain, um, I'll come to blockchain at the end. Perhaps it's easier to me to, to run through a little bit of the life cycle of where identity has has moved over the, the years. And I'm sure you've heard of the, the term Web3. Um, and this kind of fits into it, I guess. So we used to be able to, to verify and, and log in with services. And we, we did it we verified ourselves each and every time. So we went to a bank, we verified with a high level of due diligence. We go to, um, you know, buy alcohol online, you'd have to have a different level of due diligence, a lesser one, lesser attestation. And so we're always having to re-verify ourselves independently. You then move forward 10 years and you had the big tech companies, Google, Facebook, Apple, et cetera, putting a line down the middle of that and saying, hey, you've, you've verified yourself, but let me just allow you to log in. Let me let, let me hold your data and let me just let you log in and make it easy for you. So that's kind of federated identity. And that's where your, your identity is being held centrally. You often see it um, with the big credit bureau companies offering that as well, and even governments as well. So they might hold your identity and allow you to, to log into to different government services. So federated identity is where it's stored centrally. Decentralized identity is where we are now, where because of the issue around data leaks, because of the issues that um, society face around hacks and having their identity stolen and sold on the web, people want to own that identity. And this is the big um, topic around SSI is if I am able to own my own identity and own my identity and be able to share it when I want to, then that is fully decentralized and I can keep control of it. Um, and I can store it on my wallet. I can bring my identity documents. I can enhance due diligence that with utility bills, EKYC, data connections, other parts of my life, which are part of my identity and share them when I'm required to and only to a minimal level. Where blockchain fits into this, so as digital identity as a topic grows, um, where that decentralized identity is being able to transact um, at the moment is, is up for debate. So you have your decentralized identifiers, which is who am I and how am I able to connect to others? You have your verifiable credentials, which is what is it that you own? What, what do I attest to you having? Um, and blockchain is just one of the different types of ledgers, I guess, that a decentralized identity can, can live on. So do, do I think that blockchain is going to be um, the way that digital identity expands and is able to make it accessible for everyone? Um, I don't think that, uh, that it will. I think that blockchain is perhaps a, a couple of steps away to making digital identity 
uh, more accessible. Um, so at the moment, it's just a, a type. Uh, Gordon, what's the difference between a digital ID and a digital identity and which is more valuable to the consumer? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? This, this comes up all the time in conversations because I think, again, back to the first question, the, the word or the phrase digital ID and digital identity are often um, used interoperably within conversations. So um, I, I like to split it out within uh, these, these two ways. So a digital ID in my mind is um, simply a digital form of the physical identification document, whether it be a passport or a driving license or a national ID card that has been issued by the government. So let's take Austria, for example. Um, if you go and get a new driving license or national ID card for Austria, um, you will be given the physical document, but you will also be given a digital document that you can keep on your phone. Um, and you, because of ERDAS2, you're seeing a lot of European nations coming out of this prior to the, the digital identity wallets that we expect to see later um, next year. A digital identity is much more expansive. So not only does it include um, a verified identity in terms of a document and all of the data that comes with that, it will also include my biometric data. So I can prove that I am the holder of that identity. It may also include um, data points to my socials. It may also include data points to EKYC providers, my um, credit scores. It may include my utility bills, my bank statements. Um, it may even go, and this is the way that a digital identity becomes even more expansive, is I may be issued a verifiable credential from, let's say I'm a member of British Airways Gold Club or Hertz Gold Club, and they want to issue a verifiable credential to me to say that I am part of that group or I'm at that level or I can get those discounts, that is held within my digital identity. So then when I go and um, try and use that Hertz Gold Club um, discount where it can be used, um, they want to prove via my digital identity that I own it. They want to prove that I am who I say I am, that I'm born on the day that, and I'm over 18 so I can drive a car and I am of the Hertz Gold Club. So all of those within a verifiable presentation allow me to interact and make digital identity much more widely used than just the strict narrow definition of what a digital ID is. Let's talk about reusable digital identities. Where do they come from and who's going to issue them? Is it government? Is it private? And which would you say is better for the average user? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is another really great question. And um, there's an excellent consulting company called Liminal who talk a lot about the pace at which digital identities will look to be accepted and utilized within the, the market today. And actually, the, their opinion is that although the governments and the regulatory bodies are the ones who are making the frameworks for digital identities to be issued, accepted um, in society, it's actually the private organizations that are going to be the ones who are really pushing forward to give their customers a digital identity because that's how they can verify themselves within 
um, commercial transactions, either through payments or through um, needing to be above a certain age or how many times when you run a payment transaction, do you also need to prove that you are who you say you are, usually by a, a, a different method at the moment, um, which slows down the, 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 the checkout process. So um, to kind of expand on that, I think what we're likely to see is many different digital identities being created and a bit of a mesh at the, at the beginning. So government will issue digital identities for government services to access your taxes, your pensions, um, services at the post office, for example. And then you'll probably see private organizations creating their own ecosystems, either within an industry or within a certain region um, where their digital identity can be used. And that might be, for example, a bank, a telco, um, and a marketplace might get together in a certain country or region and say, hey, we will accept your digital identities if you accept ours. So that's a very closed kind of ecosystem where those in it benefit. Um, but really, the optimum is an open ecosystem where everybody accepts the digital identities that are created because they're built against certain standards and frameworks that mean that they meet the current regulations um, that, that these companies need to, uh, need to hold to. So um, interoperability between uh, digital IDs, between ecosystems is absolutely key. And, and we've got to always remember that the, the consumer is the person who is and should be at, at the very heart of how we think about digital identities. There's no point me having a digital identity if I can only use it in one or two places. You know, I need to have a digital identity if I can use it in a wider market. And so I think as we evolve, we'll have many at the beginning, and then we'll see which are most competitive and wide reaching. And that's why the acceptance of digital identities is absolutely fundamental to get right. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see how that evolves, but um, which is better for the average user is a, a difficult question to ask. I suspect that the private ones will be uh, most useful from a commercial relationship. Um, so buying things and uh, privates will be more interesting in uh, accessing government services. How exactly do reusable digital identities work and what examples in the market can you share? Oh, so how do they work? Um, so to keep it really simple, um, a, a, a reusable digital identity is, is a digital credential that proves who you are. You have control of that identity um, and you've always got it on you. So in order to create a digital identity, um, there is kind of this trust triangle. So you have you, the user, you have the, the issuer, so the person who's going to issue you with the digital identity, and then you've got the verifier, or what's also called the relying party. So that is merchants in the, in the market who are willing to accept your digital identity to prove who you are. So in order to create a digital identity, um, you need to verify who you are, often through a physical uh, verification process then a, an identity is issued, and that's what's called a verifiable credential. It's held in your wallet. Um, that wallet might be 
something in EIDAS2 that is created by your government. It might be an SSI wallet. It might be a wallet that the issuer wants you to keep their um, digital identity within. Um, and then there's an ecosystem where your digital identity can be used and accepted. So verify who you are, create a verifiable credential, store it in your wallet, and then there's a ecosystem where it can be used. Um, what examples are there in the market today, I think was the second part of that question. Um, probably the most successful one that we've seen uh, over the past few years is, is Bank ID, which is uh, born in, in Scandinavia. Um, and that has been able to kind of become ubiquitous within that uh, within that market as the de facto uh, digital identity. And it has got to the point of, of replacing physical identity documents when you're signing up to government services or, or new banks or, or telcos. So again, it's a, a, a certain ecosystem. Um, SingPass in Singapore is another one. And actually, Jumio was able to uh, be part of powering that one. And then you see larger organizations such as MasterCard looking to get into the area of digital identity, um, first in, in Latin America and then over in North America. Um, but really, you've always got to come back to um, what is the what is the, the usability of, of digital identities um, and what markets can they be used in and where can I use them? That is, we've always got to remember that um, Yes, how do they work is important. Yes, where do they work is important, but it's always got to come back to the user. Is the user going to um, get value out of this? Um, that, that's, that's just a, a key running thing that, that I hopefully I can kind of get through in all of these answers. A few minutes here for a few more questions. Do you see digital identity replacing existing identity proofing and identity verification tools and systems? Yeah, absolutely. Um, th th there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that digital identity will, in time, you know, of course we don't know what time frame that is, but they will, in time, totally replace physical identity documents um, and identity verification tools um, for physical documents. Um, I think we will look to see physical documents as being strong backups. So perhaps they are used uh, perhaps in more high risk countries or for people who have been flagged as being more high risk. Um, and of course, it's going to take a long time for digital identities to be fully absorbed into the industry as the number one tool to, to prove who you are. But as shown by Bank ID in Scandinavia, where it is already the, the number one tool to prove who you are, this can happen and it can happen very quickly as long as you get buy-in from the government organizations and the merchants that are looking to accept the, 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 the type of verification. And in order to get the merchants on board with accepting digital identities, um, digital identities need to, and are being built on the existing rails of, of the regulations. So they mirror the um, financial and um, online gambling regulations to allow those companies to adopt a digital identity acceptance process. Now, how do you envision the future of identity? Do you see the physical ID disappearing? Yeah, I mean, as, as, I, as I, I just mentioned, I, I think we will just see physical ID documents being backups. Um, once we solve 
um, the ecosystem. Once we get to ecosystems where you can use your digital identity in everyday life to verifying that you have this discount when getting your coffee to accessing your government services to signing up to your new digital bank to um, proving who you are when you're going to get your um, online certificate in a training course you've already done or um, flying or traveling cross-border um, or going to access healthcare. It is not the creation of the digital identities that is the friction at the moment. It is the ecosystem being able to accept them. And it's a chicken and egg situation. Um, users aren't going to sign up to getting a digital identity if there's nowhere to use it. And merchants or relying parties aren't going to accept digital identities if there's no customers using them. So it's a classic chicken and egg situation. And I think what you'll see is various incentives in the market by companies who do issue digital identities to really drive adoption, um, whether that be large payment companies such as MasterCard, whether that be online gaming companies, whether that be neobanks, whether that be telcos, whether that be healthcare organizations. Um, I think we'll have to see an element of incentivization to the consumer to get them on board to digital identities, whilst in parallel, um, uh, making sure that the ecosystem is set up to use them. Um, it, like like all of these things, um, it all comes back to, and I'll say it again, does it provide increased value to the consumer? Is the consumer constantly having to re-authenticate themselves? Are they having to um, re-verify themselves at different, um, at different merchants? Is that frustrating? We, we see abandonment rates of 61%, 71% of users that we talk to see authentication as a frustrating process. If digital identities can eradicate those frustrations and there's an ecosystem for them to play in, then absolutely they'll be adopted super quickly and physical ID documents will, will disappear. I think there's also a what time in your life does adopting a digital identity get the most value? And I often think about this, you know, prior to going to university, when you're signing up to your, um, your new bank account, your new phone contracts, your um, new halls of residency, it's those sorts of life moments when your a digital identity becomes very valuable. Maybe when you're moving out of education, you're going to rent your, your first flat, whether that's when you're 18 or 21, that presents a whole load of times where you need to verify who you are to banks, to lenders, to rental companies, to utility bill companies. So it's almost those times in, in life where you're needing to verify yourselves a lot that, that digital identities really come to the forefront as adding value. Go ahead and summary here. We've covered a lot in this conversation. What are some of the key takeaways you want our listeners to focus on when it comes to the benefits of reusable digital identity? Uh, well, look, the first thing is digital identity is here. There's absolutely no question about it. Um, there are There is a whole community um, looking to try and make digital identity as wide and as interoperable and as valuable as possible to the consumer. And that's backed by well-known brands that we, we know and love. 
the total addressable market of digital identity at the moment from a commercial perspective is circa 30 billion. Liminal suggests that within less than five years, that's going to move to almost 300 billion, almost a 10x growth in digital identity in the world that that, that presents. So clearly the next five years is, is where the growth is, is, is happening. And that comes with the privacy um, that comes with the ecosystem plays that comes with the multiple private brands who are going to look to come into issuing a digital identity for the consumers. Um, and that comes to kind of another takeaway is there is a real race on at the moment to own this identity space, not just governments, but private organizations in different industries are looking to create a digital identity to provide value to their customers. Um, and so what I think you're going to see is the opportunity for you as a user to sign up to these um, digital identities and really get value from them. Um, and so I think over the next 12 to 18 months, you know, we could be in a position where you're holding two or three or even four digital identities, each of which provide you with different values in different areas. Um, and then I, I guess kind of the a final sort of um, shameless plug is, look, Jumio are right at the heart of powering this digital identity market. Not only are we helping customers to be able to issue digital identities to their customers, but we're also building these ecosystems where digital identities can be accepted. So um, we're right in the heart of it. And uh, I, I would just say for anyone listening, if you're interested more in, in the topic of digital identity, or this has sparked an interest in you, or you've thought about how um, ecosystems could be built, or whether your company could provide a, a better way for authenticating your users or, or issuing a digital identity, um, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to have a, a chat, just like how we've done today, Tom, on uh, the nuances and value of digital identity and um, what the next couple of years holds for this exciting sector. Well said. Gordon, thanks so much for your time and insight today. No problem, Tom. Thanks very much. Again, the topic has been digital identity. You just heard from Gordon Harrison, area Vice President of Digital Identity with Jumio. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you for your time and attention today.